Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. A lot of people want to know, what does it take to book your first job using an online casting site like Voices? Gina Scarpa, voice actor and voiceover coach, returns to Vox Talk to answer this question and many more. So if you're a professional voice actor, don't change that dial. Be sure to stay along for the ride as these tips will be instrumental for you as well. Welcome back to the show, Gina. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, so exciting. It's always so exciting to have a wonderful coach whose students book to talk to about (laughs) what they need to do to get into that right place to get their first job. So Gina, obviously you've been coaching for a long time. You've seen a lot. Um, What are some factors voice talent should consider when evaluating an opportunity? That's a really good question. I mean, I think that a place that sometimes voice actors can struggle, especially newer voice actors, is knowing what they're right for. Because I think that sometimes people have an idea of what they're right for. But how we see and hear ourselves is not necessarily how the world hears ourselves. So it's, you know, I think it's important when you're first auditioning and getting out there that you start to notice, you know, what kinds of jobs are you getting shortlisted for or hopefully what kinds of jobs are you booking and kind of stick to that. But for me, when I'm looking at an opportunity, I'm looking at a lot of things. First of all, I'm just looking at the type of project to see if I feel I'm right for it and the kind of keywords and things that they're looking for. But I also like to look at the usage and how long they're going to use it and what their budget would be um, and things like that as well. So I feel like there's a lot of things you need to look at before you decide, yes, I'm going to audition for it. Absolutely, there are. And just hearing everything you said, it's like, yes, yes, and yes. Like People need to be (laughs) thinking about all these factors because there's so much that goes into whether you want to do a job, whether you're suited for the job, if it pays enough, you know, if you can meet the deadline. There's Mm -hmm. so much going on there. So um, let's assume that someone has found a job that all of these criteria, they just line up with the desire is there, Mm -hmm. the opportunity is there, and the skills are there. So how does a talent know that they're a real contender for a job? So we're not not just talking about a match because you can be a match for anything that comes to you, obviously. Right. Um, but how do you know if you're a really good one? Yeah, that's a great question, too, because, you know, on voices, we have this job match score. And there are times, a lot of times, I'm 100% job match for things. But then I go in and read it and I think to myself, I could book this, but I don't know that I'm the strongest contender for it. I'll still read for it. But I really do look at those keywords and things that they're looking for. I like to read the description, especially if the client gives a a reference link. Oh my goodness. I love when they do that so that I can actually go and watch a video or listen to something. Even better when they kind of give the music choice. All of those things kind of tell me if I feel like I'm a really good contender for that kind of job. So I like to read through what the client wants and really take the time to go off site for a few minutes and look at the brand itself before I come back and read for it. You know, I think doing just about a minute or two worth of research sometimes can go a really long way. Well, for sure. Like everyone should be doing that, I think, (laughs) because if you're going to put your voice on a brand or you're going to be associated with a brand and you want to feel like you're really honoring it and that you are in lockstep, well, maybe not entirely lockstep, but but you're really close to what it is that they do, that you, you love the the mission of what they're doing, you like their products, and you feel comfortable voicing, you know, and sharing with people all of the wonderful things that that company would like you to say. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of brands go through changes. So for example, CVS has really changed their brand voice, especially over the last two years, from the very beginning of the pandemic to now. They're much more energetic, hopeful. They've got a little bit more of a youthful sound going on right now. 
or a company like Starbucks uh, is celebrating an anniversary. So, you know, their messaging has changed, too. They're sort of looking back, but also looking forward, celebrating. And I think knowing, especially these bigger brands, like where are they right now in terms of their marketing? What is their voice? And really being on top of that. So, you know, watching their commercials or videos on YouTube or going to iSpot.tv and watching their recent commercials, really understanding their voice can really make a big difference, I think. Excellent point. And, and, you know, like there's one thing is the brand. Do I want to be associated? Do I want to voice this? Do I relate to it? Mm -hmm. But I love what you said, Gina, about just understanding where they are at in their journey, because Mm -hmm. it's not very often that talent will go and look and see, oh, are they in a rebrand or, you know, Mm -hmm. are they having an anniversary? Are they whatever? But that really does change the tone of where they're going, because it's a very different message and perspective at times from just the run of the mill. Oh, it's, you know, business as usual. Uh, And even still, like just thinking, like if you're a student of their brand and their marketing, then you will be so much more informed of the tone that they're looking for. Because yes. clients don't always articulate all that they want in the art <laughs> in the artistic direction, no. right? So you have to really be kind of, um, I guess, observing and watching and, and seeing what it is that they're doing. And the best way to do that is to look at pre-existing work that they have done recently. Absolutely. And on the flip side of all this, Gina, because clearly not all jobs will be the right fit for somebody, what are some telltale signs that someone shouldn't audition for a job even though they received an invitation? I actually received an invitation to a job not that long ago, and the voice was like a little British boy. <laughs> and I was oh, like, yeah. I don't I don't think I'm right for this. <laughs> so even though I was invited, I just politely said, I don't think so. Uh, you know, there are times that even... Um, You know, I'll be on a a roster for, I don't know, anime, video games, commercial, and I notice in the specs that they say um, they're particularly interested in people of color. Like right there for me, it's like, okay, even if they say, they say we're leaning heavily towards, for me personally, I just back out of it. If you're leaning towards that, then great. I would love for you to be able to cast that. And I really don't want to take a spot or even a few minutes away from your casting time if that's what you're looking for. I read through the specs. Um, you know, if I'm on voices, I read through the script. And sometimes I just feel like, you know, maybe I'm I'm not the best fit for it. Certainly that could come up in political jobs if you don't agree with a political candidate um, or, you know, a, a brand or a company in general where, you know, that's not where your heart is. Some people will voice no matter what. Some people like to voice with their heart and maybe their, you know, sort of their moral compass. Um, But there's a lot of different factors that could tell you that you're not right for something. I used to feel like I couldn't book the like the mom read, like the warm and friendly mom, which is funny because I am a mom and (laughs) I work with kids and I, I think I have a pretty warm personality. But it took me a while to really start booking those. So two years ago on Voices, when I would see those, I would always say, "Ugh, they're looking for warm and friendly. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to do that right now. And now it's like the thing that I chase the most. So it's kind of funny how things change over time as well. Like what you might not be right for today could end up being like the number one thing that you book in the future. Great point. Because we all grow and mature as artists, right? Yeah. You could have a new hobby or you could be learning about something entirely new in a different stage of your life. And then all of a sudden, 
these different jobs that you wouldn't normally have looked at as interesting do become interesting. It's kind of like when you get a certain car or you have a breed of dog, all of a sudden you start seeing that breed of dog everywhere or you start seeing you know, that car everywhere. So I think that that could be true also with, with voiceover and, and just the jobs that you see and what might appeal to you or become more um, within your, I guess, what you're seeing out there and paying attention to at a certain point in your life. Oh, that's so I like the way you said that. It's like what you're paying attention to. You know, last year, um, in fact, it's been about a year at this time, last May, early June, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune liver disease. And now I notice when when auditions come up for maybe like the National Liver Disease Foundation or something about autoimmune disease, like I'm just drawn to it. And even in my proposal, I say I actually was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in 2021. It's an issue that's really you know, near and dear to my heart. I'd love to voice this for you. But in the past, like, I don't remember prior to that ever seeing it. It's just funny how now that that's just part of my life, I just happen to notice it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that whenever there's something you're really, really interested in that affects you personally, you're mm-hmm. going to research that to like the nth degree. You know, you're going to know everything about it. You're going to be super passionate. You're going to be aware of the communities that are concerned about those issues or about, you know, be it a cause or an illness or anything like it's just so much more authentic for somebody who has that firsthand experience or is part of a community to to give voice to something like what you've said. So if I were on the other side of the glass or the, the casting arena there and I saw a proposal come through like that that said, you know what, I know exactly where you're coming from. I know your audience. Mm-hmm. I am your audience. Exactly. I think that that's powerful. Yes. Uh, you know what? And I know, like, ha- obviously having an autoimmune liver disease is kind of a serious topic, but even on a more lighthearted end, I actually booked a job, I think, last week on Voices. Um, it was for a video game character. And the reference that they gave was Misfortune from League of Legends. And League of Legends is my favorite game. When I'm, I put on all my social media profiles, I always make it clear when I'm not doing voiceover, I, I love video games, especially competitive games. So in my proposal, I said, I love that you referenced Misfortune. Um, she plays bot lane in, in uh, League of Legends. And I say, I play bot lane and I play Misfortune all the time. So I know exactly who this character is and I love it. And I ended up booking it and I was just so excited to have this character that I got to play that was in the style of one of my favorite games. And I feel like in my proposal, I was able to really authentically and genuinely communicate. Like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, that was so fun to voice, by the way. I It was just a blast. I think what you've said, just it, everybody was listening. Like, if you have a passion and you see that passion show up in a job posting, then you are, I don't want to say you're obligated to go and audition for it, but if you <laughs> match for it and you want to do it yeah. and you have that credibility and the experience built up, there is no reason why you should not submit an audition because as Gina's just said, like, mentioning that you are drawn to that particular work that you have a special reason for Mm -hmm. being so like that like I can't tell you how important from a client's point of view Mm -hmm. that would be and that would be a great podcast to have someone on to do (laughs) Um, but you know it would be like someone saying it's like you're an extension of their company of their team You're, you're like their spokesperson you're out there and you're talking about this you're doing that you're you're voicing whatever but you have like what a lot of talent don't have because all freelancers feel like they're just working on their own. You know, they do work here and there, but they're not really working for a company or a brand or what mm-hmm. have you. But but in this instance, like you get to feel like you are an extension of their team. I think that if you can identify with what they're talking about 
Um, You're like a, I don't want to say a salesperson for that organization, but that's about the closest thing. You're you're pretty much not their employee, but if they could have hired you, they probably would have, you know, because you just speak (laughs) so authoritatively and authentically on the subject to represent their brand. I always think that's such a big deal when a brand hires you for a commercial or a video and you're speaking as the brand. That's something that I am very grateful to book a lot. I notice that when I book things like, you know, um, like being the voice of Xfinity Rewards, I'm speaking like on behalf of Xfinity. I'm like, what? And honestly, like an honor to be the voice of that brand that Xfinity said to me, you represent who we are as a brand and we want you to be that voice. And whether it's something as big as Xfinity or, you know, a smaller startup company, I think when a company really puts that faith and trust in you, it's such a big deal. I mean, because everything in voiceover these days is real, believable, conversational, and brands want to feel human. I mean, one thing that I say in coaching a lot is as consumers get younger, as we look at, you know, I mean, millennials, but really Gen Z, tends to be a little bit more skeptical. And you can hear that in marketing, that brands just want it to sound like an everyday kind of person, someone that you can really relate to. And I think that it's because consumers don't want to feel like they're getting scammed or even or just sold to. Like if you walked into a car dealership and someone's following you around and just trying to get that sale, you're like, get out of here. I'm just trying to shop for a car right now. So knowing what the, you know, what the style of voiceover is right now, what's really booking well, knowing these brands, doing your homework, understanding the genre itself is like so important. It's it's at least half the battle. Everybody can have a good read. Everybody can have a good microphone and everybody can do coaching. But it's like, but can you be authentic? And do you know this genre or this brand that you're really reading for right now? I think that's super important. And I don't know that everybody always puts that much time and thought into that when they're auditioning. Absolutely. And I'm just so glad you mentioned Gen Z and Gen (laughs) Z for those in the Commonwealth. Um, But anyway, you know, like when we think about, okay, they're more skeptical, they're they're more into kind of doing their research, if you will, they... Uh, they know when you're lying. They know when <laughs> yeah. uh, let's just say that. Um, but yeah. you know what? Like, I think that voice talent who have been working for the last 10, 15 years have been really, really um, primed and trained for this kind of read because the real person read has been one that's been in demand for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the announcer read comes and goes in its various forms. But yeah. for the last while, it's really been all about sounding believable, relatable, conversational, and connecting with that audience. But I think even more so now, it's it's like you have to be not just believable to one group of people uh, as a whole, like, oh, everyone believes this. It's kind of like different groups within those people. Even there's a you have to relate to the the people in Gen Z. It's not just the millennials. And, and you know, right. they're going to have a different um, spectrum, I'll say, of believability. I yes. don't know if that makes sense. No, but that's just, so true. You should know who you're talking. I mean, you should have an idea of who you're talking to. Sometimes it is the whole country or, you know, you know, every group of people. But you can tell from a brand sometimes like who who you're talking to or who this product is made for, that are people in their 20s buying it or are people in their 60s buying it, you know, and then you can adjust your tone a little bit to talk to that kind of audience the most. Even though it will reach everybody, you're really like, who is the ideal customer or consumer here? That's who you want to talk to, just that one person and really bring that, you know, real down-to-earth, grounded, authentic read to it. And I think that's another thing, just who is your audience? Sometimes people don't know. And sometimes casting doesn't know. I think of something that was brought up recently, I can't remember who said it, but they were saying, 
yeah, casting specs can sometimes be all over the place, like especially from agents. It's like, you know, the, they'll say all these different things. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm even supposed to read this. And part of it is because at least here in the States, um, as a country, sometimes we, I mean, we're very different and we can't all get on the same page about a lot of different things. And so trying to nail down who the typical American is, is very hard, I think, right now. So that's why sometimes you see specs all over the place. And when you see that, um, I feel like that is a real call to just be yourself more than ever because they don't know what they're looking for. And so all you can really do is bring yourself to that script and hope that you're the right person. And if you're not, that's okay because you were really true and authentic in your read. It's not the agent. It's not the casting director. It's, not, it's sometimes not even the brand. There's a lot of people that go into making that decision, and everybody can't always get on the same page. And sometimes they're not sure of what they want until they hear it. I mean, the same is kind of true when you go to a restaurant. It's like, I don't know what I want. And then I open the menu, and bam, like my eyes just lock on something. I'm like, portobello mushroom fajitas. <laughs> like, that's what I want. I, I didn't know I wanted that, but I saw it on the menu, and I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. I'm going to get that. And I feel like sometimes it's the same way with casting. They just don't know until they hear it. And then they hear your, you know, really authentic read. And they're like, yes, that is it. I, I couldn't put it into words. But now that I hear you read it, that's exactly what we were going for. You know, so sometimes you just have to be able to trust in yourself to bring forth that authentic read to help them make that decision because they're not sure. All right. So from your perspective, like if someone is using the lens of I'll book this, yes, no, and they move on with the the idea of yes in their head, um, I was just thinking and my mind just went to this, but uh, I once heard a gentleman tell me that he had auditioned for 700 jobs and had not booked anything. And like, this is a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know all the circumstances around it. Mm-hmm. and I. But if someone is really struggling and they haven't booked and there's been hundreds of auditions. Yeah. Um, as a coach, what would you be thinking? Like if someone fitting that description walked up and said to you, Gina, can you help me start booking? I've done all this auditioning, uh, but I, I have not gotten a bite yet. What would you tell them? So the first thing I like to do is listen to the, I tell them to send me like a recent audition and I pull it up. I, I work out of Adobe Audition and I pull it up and I listen and look at it and say, do we have any sound issues going on? Like is the, because of the, if it's a quality issue, like that's something that's easily fixable. Hopefully we can just, you know, upgrade your equipment and get into a better recording space and do some treatments of the area with, you know, padding and stuff like that. So that's the first thing I look at. But if that all sounds good, then it's got to be something within the reads, right? So it's important to then come back to coaching. I mean, even though I do this full-time and I coach and I'm a professor, you know, of voice acting, I still have coaches that I go back to and say, all right, like, what's going on? I mean, is my are my reads not that good or, or is there something I need? You know, I'm having trouble in this genre or I notice, you know, I haven't booked with this agent in a while. Like, what do you think? So I think going back to coaching, even when you're doing it, full-time, professionally, you feel like you're booking a lot, you know, it's always good to get in front of people. And it could be people like me who are just doing this professionally at a high level. Even better sometimes when it's you can get with a casting director or someone who is a decision maker. A lot of them run workshops or do one-on-one coachings. I always feel like that's really great to get in front of them as well. That is so cool. Um, and also, I was just, as we were on the subject, thinking mm-hmm. about the professionals. And this is this is the one that always, I think, <laughs> um, you know, gets me is I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I feel like I, I want to see them succeed. I don't know why they're not. Um, but there's sometimes there are people 
who will come on and they'll say, I'm a professional. I am booking like everywhere else. My agent gets me work. All these other people are like, why can't I crack the nut here on voices? Mm-hmm. What What is it about voice? What am I not doing right? I'm auditioning for all this stuff. I've Clearly, you can see I went to this prestigious institution. Clearly, you can see that I've been doing it. It's like, yes, I see you've worked hard. You've got lots of credits. You have a great <laughs> client base. I'm sure you're making yeah. hand over fist on your own. And you're figuring out, why am I not succeeding here? So, you know, obviously, Voices is not unique in this. I'm sure there are other online casting platforms where talent of that uh, kind of caliber are saying, why am I not succeeding here? Mm. But I can get my own work. Um, what would you say to those people? Well, you know, I mean... One thing I've learned from, I don't know how I ended up being like like a voices coach, but it is a lot of, I spend a lot of time talking to people about casting sites, their profiles, and how to best succeed on them. And one thing I notice, I mean, I guess I could say it's true for voices and just in the world of voiceover in general is sometimes people don't pay attention to the business and marketing side of voiceover. And the way that that comes into play on voices is your ability to optimize your profile to get the kinds of jobs that you should be getting. And I've, there are so many things that people tend to to overlook sometimes. It might be not having enough samples, not having those samples properly tagged, not saying the correct accent that they have or, you know, what is popular, um, like ge- saying general American and North American and things like that. Um, But sometimes it's literally just a matter of that. And I have helped a lot of people turn their profiles around from being like a 60 to 80% voice match most of the time to always 90 and 100% to getting more opportunities that fit them better because they optimize their profile. Like some people just think that because they have experience or a good voice or, you know, a decent resume or even an impressive resume, that that just automatically means they're going to succeed anywhere they go, and that's not necessarily true. There's a whole other side to, I think, doing well on voices that has nothing to do with your auditions, and it has to do with your ability to to optimize and get yourself the right kinds of jobs. I feel good about so many of, I mean, almost everything in my job feed every day. I'm always like, yes, 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 like these are great. But it was a lot of work to do that, you know, and I think sometimes people ignore the marketing side, or they shy away from it. They say, I don't understand optimization. I don't understand SEO. So, you know, that seems intimidating. And it's really not. It's kind of, you know, simple and straightforward once someone explains it to you. Yes. And not everyone is like, it doesn't come easy to everyone. Like your talent, the the ability to read into voice is very different from the ability to market or to to Mm -hmm. code or to whatever. And certainly, um, the profiles, there's SEO involved in, and obviously the, mm-hmm. the better your profiles are are optimized, the more searches you'll show up in, the more jobs you'll match for, mm-hmm. the more demos you have, the more real estate you'll have on the site. And now that we've got Project Marketplace, the yep. more projects, the more ways you'll be able to be found by people. Like, it really is more than just about the voice. And, and Gina, like, honestly, my heart has been breaking for years and years as I hear these professionals who are making things very much about their voice and not about their business. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just speaking candidly with you here and everyone else who's listening, obviously, now. (laughs) Speaking candidly with everybody. No, but it's true. Everybody. Yeah. And it it just makes me sad. Like clients won't tell you. They're not obligated to. It's not in their contract. (laughs) They don't need to tell you why it was that they passed you by. Um, But, you know, with a coach, a coach can help to sort this out. Someone like Gina could help with that. But that honestly, like all the professional voice talent out there on voices Mm -hmm. who are auditioning right now and you are not seeing success, please see a coach 
look into your profile, mm -hmm. check your job match scores. And if you could be optimizing that, see how many demos you've got uploaded, how well you've tagged them. Um, contact support at Voices, support at Voices.com. I've said it before. Just please reach out to the team because everyone here wants to see you succeed. Just like the casting directors, you know, largely that's what their role is. A casting director out in the wild, what they want more than anything is to see the talent um, that they have come in and read for them to do well and to get the best possible performance out of them. At Voices, we want everyone who is signed up on this site to feel that they are prepared and equipped and they are confident in what they are presenting to the mm -hmm. world on their profiles. We can't do it for you. Like, I wish, like, if I could do it for yeah. you. Listen, if I could log for, in everybody's but, profiles and optimize it for them, I have my degree in marketing. I would. <laughs> but yeah, you have to do it yourself. And sometimes people say, oh, I only have a demo. Okay, but that demo has five or six different characters or spots on it, right? So split it. Go into your demo and, and take each, let's say it's your commercial demo, take each spot and make it its own file and upload each of those individually because I'm going to assume, I'm going to hope that if you work with a good demo producer that... Every spot is a different side of you. It might be your warm and caring side or your sarcastic and sassy side or your really informational side. And now we're opening up a whole new world of keywords for your profile instead of just this one demo that does a little bit for you. But when you take that demo and you split it into six files and your demo, now we have seven samples that are covering a wide variety. And now we're starting to do some work here and get you what you're looking for. I mean, Kyle Flynn, who's my account manager and an employee of Voices and awesome, brought up a really good point the other day. He was doing a workshop for some of my students, and he was saying, you work in this genre, right? You work in medical. Okay, well, you need to show me that you work in medical. Show me that clip of you working there. Use those keywords. You need to be able to demonstrate the work that you do as well. And just simply throwing up one demo and saying, here it is, world, is just, it's not enough. There's a lot of work that you need to do on the back end of your voiceover career to really elevate it and give it the longevity that so many people want. Yes. And shout out to Kyle. Yeah. Shout out to work, Kyle. Obviously. He's great. <laughs> yeah. And I know Evan's got the reading room too. And there's different webinars that go on all the time. Uh, and there's so many resources out there. If people will only take the time to go and use them, if yeah. they'll go, you know, and there's so many free resources too. Like yes. the YouTube Randy's channels. YouTube videos. Right? Yeah. Right. I, I watch those, you know, David's webinars that he did about the Voices Project. Listen, what, I mean, personally, I feel when it comes to Voices, there's a, there's so many different resources that you're giving people that other sites don't always give. There's a YouTube channel, there's podcasts, there's webinars, there's blog articles. Like, you know, there's so many things. And the question is to the talent, are you doing your part in it too? Because again, just showing up and reading and hoping for the best is not gonna work across a lot of areas of voiceover. Tremendous progress can be made <laughs> with very small changes. Exactly. Like I love what you said about take the demo you've already got, yeah. slice it up. It's right. just like when you got a big spider plant and you're like, I want many spider plants. You just kind of take little samples off of it and you you have more plants and they, they grow. <laughs> and anyway, kind of a gardening example. I but liked it. nonetheless, like you can you can take something that you already have. Exactly. You know, and, and use it, repurpose it. We do this with content all the time at Voices. And from what you've said, uh, but I want to be a little specific with Voices because that's who we are. Yeah. Uh, but from what you've experienced, and observed, like, mm -hmm. is there something unique to voices for talent who are looking to book their first job? Are there any little, like you've mentioned voice match, obviously that's important. Um, what is it that can help a talent on voices specifically to get that first job? 
I, I mean, one thing I really like that you've been doing for a long time is really that visibility of where clients are in the process of whether they're hiring, they're deciding it's completed, whether they listen to it, whether I'm shortlisted, like having, you know, your statistics and being able to look through that, all of that, I feel like is so nice to have that kind of transparency. Um, that's definitely helpful. I also feel like the user interface, okay, whoever does your like UX is great because it's super easy to use. And I feel like I'm able to fire through auditions a lot faster on voices than pretty much anywhere else. So to me, like I can, I can just get through them so quickly just because of the way it's like, I have the template. I can just, you know, uh, upload quickly. I don't know. Everything about it just feels like a very efficient process for me as a voice actor. So I don't want to rush through everything necessarily. And definitely newer talent might want to take a little bit more time with everything. But I just, now I feel so comfortable that I just will jump in and knock out a bunch before I need to go into a session or do something else. So um, I definitely feel like that the user interface makes it a lot easier to be able to identify quickly what the client is looking for, get the audition done, get it uploaded, and then go back and check on it and see how you're doing. You know, if you notice that you haven't even gotten short, never mind booked, you're not even getting shortlisted, you know, then you definitely, definitely want to go back to coaching. But let's say you are getting shortlisted a lot and you're just not booking it. It might be just tiny little nuances, little things that need to be adjusted in your read, or it might be, you know, you're just, you're right there. You're right at the door and you just need to wait for someone to open it and give you that opportunity. But if you see you're getting shortlisted, like you're, you're doing something right. You're in the final running, right? And that should give you that vote of confidence. Like, wow, I notice I'm getting shortlisted a lot on explainer videos. So maybe you want to prioritize those whenever you see them come up in your job feed. Start with those because you notice that you're doing very well there. Um, and there might be things that you're really passionate about, but you're just not doing well in that. And it's not that you shouldn't do it, but you might want to start with the things that you're strongest at. That's what I do. I start with what I think I'm most right for a lot of times. And then if there's time left over, I'll be like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. I'll, I'll go read for that, you know? That makes a lot of sense, Gina. Uh, so not everyone listening is new to acting or to getting work on voices. Uh, but that said, someone may find themselves booking for quite a while and then all of a sudden they hit the slump. Now, what do you recommend someone does in that case? I actually just did a workshop on this and I really enjoy talking about it because I think a lot of times when people get into a slump, they feel powerless, but I feel like it is a time to be very actionable and very proactive and try to reduce the time of the slump. I mean, it's inevitable. Don't listen to everybody on social media that acts like they're booking left and right every other second. Every single person goes through a slow period, even the best voice actors, even celebrities. I mean, there's just times when you have downtime. So there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, on the Voices platform itself, it's a great time to do what I was saying earlier, which is take your demo and split it up or, you know, start, you know, uploading it individually. You have some projects that came out lately. Great. Go find them and upload those as well. You have projects coming out with Voices with clients this summer. You know, have you started creating your projects yet? Have you started thinking about that and what you're going to charge for things? Well, here's an opportunity. It's a little slow right now. So you can focus on those things. And that way you have it all ready when it rolls out for clients. You have your projects ready to go. Your profile is optimized. You've got a ton of clips up, right? So we're doing a lot of work so that we don't see that in the future. Other things that you can do, update your website. Maybe think about, you know, doing some more coaching. Maybe there's a demo you've been interested in doing. You could do some direct marketing and reach out to clients, social media marketing. Like there's so many things you could do. And I feel like a lot of times those things are like, 
I'd love to do those, but I'm just like so busy right now. I literally can't think about it. Sometimes the slump is like a little gift to be like, take a step back, look at your business, look at your career and say, okay, what, what can I do here that would help me in the future? And I promise that if you do those things during slumps, you'll probably see a decrease in time of how long it lasts. You know, maybe it's a month or two this time, but maybe next time it's only four or six weeks. And then the next time it's only two weeks. And then it's only a week sometimes where you're just, oh, like I'm kind of slow this week. That's weird, you know? Um, But there's so many things that you could do and you finally have the time to do it, which is great. Oh, have you reached out to your clients from the last year, checked in, said hi, notice a new project that they did? I could go on about this like (laughs) all day long. There's literally like infinite possibilities. Yes. And uh, something that I thought of as you were speaking just now, Gina, was that uh, sometimes the talent are having issues because one of the online marketplaces has made a change in how they do something. So, um, you know, I would suggest also that you stay on top of what those platforms are doing. The same thing is happening right now with Project Marketplace. This is a tremendous opportunity for people. It's not just another category of demo or a job that could be posted. This is like get your shop going, have your projects listed because this is, you know, this is so much more than just, um, oh, I think I should make a new demo to to match this new voice style that people want. This is a whole other opportunity. But if you're not taking advantage of that and say another online casting site does something different of their own accord that helps talent to book better and you're not following what they're doing and you're mm-hmm. not adapting to it, then that could also explain why you're in a slump. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, sometimes people just, they get immediately frustrated, angry, or dismissive about change, and they're sort of like resisting it. But whether or not, or regardless of how we feel about things, industries or sites are going to change, and we need to adapt and roll with it. And so when it comes to Project Marketplace, you know, when I'm talking to people about it is, what I say to them is, I want to be at the forefront of the change. I want to be the fir- one of the first people with my project set up. Well, first of all, so that I can see what it is and how it works for me, but also so that I can coach and advise people on it. Um, But that was like the first thing when you announced the Project Marketplace. Um, Anyone in my coaching group that was on Voices, we immediately got into a Zoom call and we talked about it. Then I I had Kyle come in and talk about it with everybody. Then I had people take actionable steps to be ready for it. So there was like a lot of preparation going into it. And I said, instead of being worried about it, why not just try it and see if it, you know, works for you? But I do feel like sometimes in general, people can be, um, you know, frustrated when a change comes up because they're set in their ways or they're used to doing something a certain way. Um, And we need to be very, I think, adaptable in this industry to be able to have that longevity. Thank you for that. And before we go, I want to just ask this one more question. So after someone has booked their first job, a major celebration is like for sure in order, right? Because a lot went into this as we've just talked about. There's Mm -hmm. so much to think about and a lot of work to do. So once the initial excitement is through, how can someone use that momentum to book even more jobs? Well, you definitely want to get a great review from the client. So you want to be easy to work with and deliver high-quality files, be open to their direction, respond quickly so that you can get that five-star review. Again, it's always great when the project is public-facing in any way, whether it was a commercial or it's non-broadcast, but it's on the company's website or social media channels. Or even if it's not public, they're willing to give you the file, you know, or the clips that you can use it. Because there's so much you can do with it. Obviously, you can, you know, 
use it as a clip and, you know, a demo on voices. You can post it across social media. You can email it out to clients. If you've been trying to get in with an agency for a while and it's not really going your way, it's a great reason to reach out to people, right? Like you don't want to just email people and say, hey, got any work for me? Or like, hey, can I be on your roster? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. that. Yeah. But some people do that. They just reach out like with an ask, like, hey, can I have this opportunity? And it's like, instead, it's like, hey, I hope you're doing well. Just wanted to show you this thing, you know, that I booked recently. I was really excited about it. Hope you're having a great summer. The end. I don't, you know, when I do that, when I'm sharing my projects, I don't ask for anything in return. I'm not like, I'd love to hear what you think about it. Or, um, you know, I don't know, can I be on your roster or something? It's just, just sharing it and showing people that you're you know, you're active, you're busy, you're doing things, especially on social media. Something like Twitter has such an active, supportive voiceover community. Like, I feel like whenever I post anything, voice actors come out of the woodwork to like hype me up about it. And we do that for other people too. So if you're not really utilizing the voiceover community on social media, I really encourage you to do that because there's there's such great people. I've made so many great friends. Um, And you can get, a you know, a lot out of it just from a marketing perspective too. You know, add it to your website, um, update your resume. There's so many things that you can do with just one. You say, I only have one project. I'm like, yeah, but that one project can do a lot of work for you. Nicely said, Gina. I agree. So um, that, oh my goodness, we are at time. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for joining us. And Gina, um, for those of, of our audience who don't yet know you or aren't following you yet, um, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, So you can find me on my website, which is voiceoversbygina.com or my studio site, which is positivevoicesct.com. And I'm also um, at Gina Scarpa on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, I'd love to connect with you. Perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Gina. We'll sure to have you on again. Yes, thank you so much. I always love talking to you, Stephanie. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you for listening and for sharing your valuable time and energy with us. A special thank you to our guest, Gina Scarpa, for the encouragement and for giving you more tools to grow in your voiceover career and advice that you frankly won't find anywhere else. So if you enjoyed this episode of Box Talk, let me know. Email me at stephaniavoices.com or message voices on social media with your thoughts. And also, if you've been wanting to start auditioning on voices and this episode has inspired you to join as a premium member, let me know and I'll give you a special promo code just for Vox Talk listeners to help you with your first year of membership. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Vox Talk is produced by Jeff Bremner. As always, we'll see you next week.